What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. And we're now on YouTube! So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Solvars is the game for this week's episode. Solvars is a turn-based deck-building RPG, and I see a lot of similarities with a game called Jack Move that we talked about. Really a lot of similarities that are deeply rooted in the Shin Megami Tensei series, whether it's Persona or whether it's Nocturne. Legend of Gaia, I see some similarities. That was a PS1 RPG. Ties to Final Fantasy and the roots there. Some old and some newer games. Grandia 2 on the PS2, as well as Bait and Katos on the GameCube. A lot of similarities with the gameplay there. The game was originally released in January of 2022, only on mobile, so iOS and Android. And then finally in June of 2023, it came to PC, Switch, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, Series X and S. The game was developed by Gino Labo, which is essentially one guy named Gino. And this is a solo dev from Japan. And I had some trouble finding out anything about this, but it's one guy. I don't think he speaks much English. In fact, at Tokyo Game Show last year in 2022, uh, there was an interview with him that was translated that talked about why he made this game, inspiration, and things like that, and that was a really interesting read. First game for him, and I think it took him three years, and he's like 40, so shout out to Solo Dev from Japan uh, making it happen. The game was published by Shueisha Games, which is a Japanese publisher, and they primarily publish mobile games and board games, uh, nothing that I recognized. The game was released with an MSRP of $16.99 on PC and console, but on mobile, somewhere either between $2.99 or $2.49. So definitely there is a difference between these versions. Runtime of the game, definitely having an issue trying to find this out. Somewhere between maybe 10, maybe 20 hours is what I'm seeing just for getting through the main story. Definitely there's a lot of grinding that you can do a ton of customization, uh, so you could really put in a lot of hours with this game. Me, I got this on sale on PS5 for $11.89. It was on sale, and I've put in uh, probably closer to four hours with this game. I'm spending a lot of time in the menus, customizing, figuring out systems, uh, and I'm really enjoying that part of it, so I haven't gotten that far, but definitely there's a lot here. In terms of recommendation, 
No one really talked about this game. I hadn't heard anything about it. It looked super fast-paced and kinetic when I saw it on sale, uh, especially for a turn-based role-playing game, and a lot of vibes from Persona uh, with some of the art styles, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Alright, let's talk gameplay for Soul Vars. So this is definitely a JRPG through and through. You can tell a lot of inspiration from old school Japanese role-playing games as well as some more modern ones. Things that you might expect, so there's battle, there's character customization and equipment. There's minimal movement in this game and I think that actually is a plus and some very basic progression. So let's get into that progression. What you're going to see is a couple different screens, but one of the main ones that you're going to see in terms of progressing is like a world map, and it's kind of just like a bland city map. It reminds me a lot of Shimigami Tensei Nocturne, where you're looking at like a map of Tokyo, and it's just these locations pop up that you go to. Sometimes there'll be multiple locations that pop up at the same time, and you can choose between them. I don't really know if there's rhyme or reason to the order that you go in, um, because basically what's going to happen is you're just going to keep going to locations you haven't been and sometimes there's multiple ones that you can go to the different types of locations there's really only two either it's going to be a level where there's enemies that you're exploring or there's a level that is just like a safe zone and instead of rooms to go in and do battles you'll just see uh, people there and shops there when you're highlighting the different locations on the menu it'll tell you like if it's a normal level or it'll say shop if it's a safe level and when you look at each of those levels it'll just give their name and sort of a general location information when you go into a level, whether it's an enemy level or a shop level, it's really going to progress the same way. It's basically just a map of connected squares that act as rooms. You're going to travel through them, but that's also how it's displayed on the map. And it's very similar to a game called Dicey Dungeons that we did a while back, where it's just like you see the map and you can kind of go to... Uh, the next spot but it's a little more intentional because the way you progress is you go to a room and you're in this square and you can go any four of the sides you can go any of those four directions the game is really good about communicating this to you because there'll be an arrow kind of like faintly glowing in each direction and you can choose which way you want to go now not all four ways are going to be available all the time there might be like a dead end where you get to there might be a reason that a path is blocked which you can open up later um, but for the most part you're traveling in the four cardinal directions once you get to a room or even when you're going between rooms you're not really moving your character you're just going to be in the room and you can interact with things in the room now i really like this because it really removes a lot of potential headaches especially for a single developer to just like completely eliminate free movement but once you get in the room you'll see whether there's something you can interact with because a box with an exclamation point will pop up over those things and once you see one of them 
you'll see indicators for b different buttons to cycle through. And if there are multiple things, you can cycle through and decide which one you want to interact with. Now, in terms of interactions, if there's a person in the room, you could potentially talk to them. It might be an important NPC, but most of the time it's not really. There might be a box or a chest for you to open. Once you cycle to it and just click it, it'll open and it'll give you the item. Uh, there might be an object where you have to get some information or you take it or maybe even a switch that you have to flick. Or there are vending machines sometimes in enemy levels where you can purchase things from a shop in a vending machine. And of course, when you're in the safe levels, uh, you can talk to people and they may be selling. There's not much more to the progression through this game. There might be some basic puzzling. Like I said, maybe you have to pull a switch that opens a door at another place, or maybe when you do something uh, like a fire that was blocking one way is now gone. So there's some like locked or timed access, but for the most part, it's not anything that you're gonna be banging your head against the wall with. I will say that the mini map is really helpful and it's always sitting in the top corner. And if you hit it, it'll expand and it'll go to the whole screen, but you can keep moving. So I like that sort of phantom map. And then of course you will have battles when you're in these levels. And these are gonna be random encounters for the most part. And I think the formula is just like how many times you go through a room. So if you happen to be backtracking on a map, you're not going to be like, oh, I've already beaten the battles in here. Like I'm going to be fine. You're actually going to be every like third or fourth room. You're going to be in another battle and that can get annoying. Um, so you really want to explore thoroughly so that you don't have to go back really far within a level because you're going to be doing a lot of battles. Sometimes there'll be like a timed battle or a battle where it's like you have to go here. I guess it could be considered a boss battle, but before you go onto that screen, if there is a big battle there, it'll say like, oh, we're sensing a strong signal. Are you sure you want to go forward? So that's kind of an indicator that like, hey, a big battle's coming up. Maybe if you need to heal or something like that, do that. And as you're progressing through these levels, the idea is that you're just going to be looking for things and looking to battle things. And once you do, you just keep going. Eventually, you're going to find an exit now, some levels are going to have multiple exits. I don't know if there's a difference in terms of what you find after. But basically, once you get to the exit, you can leave. And typically, that's going to pop up different locations or new locations on the map for you to go to next. And so a lot of this game is going to be that rinse repeat. You go to an area, you kind of scout it out, you go to everywhere, find all the items, do all of the special battles and then leave. And then a couple other areas are going to pop up. I will say that I don't know what the overall goal of the game is. Definitely there's some story context lacking. You're kind of thrown right in at the beginning. I don't really mind it because I find the customization and the combat to be really good and really fulfilling. So let's sort of dive into that. Let's start with your characters. So the way that you're going to be going around is you're going to have a party. And it's really just your character that's moving room to room. But once a battle starts, you'll see your other party members. I think the max is going to be three that you're going to have. I haven't had more than three and you don't really recruit anybody almost like a Final Fantasy six or four. Like you're just going to have people coming in and out of your party as you progress through the game. I will say what's good is when someone leaves your party for a little bit, all of their equipment stays with you. So if you like put a really good accessory on somebody, you don't have to worry that like you can't use it now because that person's gone. It all stays in your inventory. So your characters are going to have stats 
stats. They're going to have hit points and special points. Hit points, obviously, for your health. Special points are to use abilities in battle. And they're going to have a stat for attack power, defense, psychic, tech, and speed. I'm not really sure the specifics of psychic and tech, uh, but speed is going to be turn order or who goes first. And you're going to have a ton of equipment that you can put on. And each character can uh, hold two weapons, a main and an offhand. And these are going to determine the cards or the soul bits that are in your deck for your battle. For the most part, you can get them from other things. You're also going to have armor, one piece of armor, and one accessory. So you're going to pick up a lot of things throughout the game that you can swap in and out with different characters, uh, see which benefits who for whose playstyle. And all of these things can give you stat boosts, uh, especially armor and accessory. They can give you stat boosts or elemental bonuses. And all of these are going to have potentially additive slots or open slots for you to add upgrade items to each of these things. So that includes weapons, that includes armor, and that includes accessories. And these can have anywhere from no slots to three slots, I think, is the max. And what these slots are for are to put these upgrade bonus items that you find, and you can swap them in and out. It's not like when you put them in, they're gone forever, or you have to use them forever. There's a lot of swapping, and you're going to see this a lot with taking things out and giving it to another character because you found another weapon that fits them, and then you want to try that build or that motif for that character. And all of these upgrade bonus items, they can be stat boosts, they can be elemental bonuses, and these can also add cards or soul bits to your deck. But let's talk about these soul bits. So these are going to be like the cards for your deck when you're in battle. And like I said, you get these from your weapon. Whatever weapon you have equipped, it has like however many cards attached to that weapon and whatever type they are, and then they go into your deck. And some of these cards are going to be different attacks like punch, kick, uh, use a sword, use a lance, use a gun, use an elemental spell, and then other ones are going to be like charge or shield or haste. So you're gonna get a pretty strong variety, and these are going to be combined in battle to do weapon arts. You'll also be able to equip a soul driver, and this is really cool, and it's something that immediately linked me to games like Final Fantasy VIII. Essentially what this is, it's almost like you're equipping like an Aeon, and when you equip it, it gives you a bonus for a lot of your stats. So it could up your attack, your HP, your SP, your defense, all kinds of things like that. And as you equip it and you go into battle and win battles with it, you kind of gain experience with that soul driver. But instead of adding experience to your character, it adds up a percent sync between you and that soul driver. And what that allows for is as your percent sync goes up with that soul driver, you're going to be able to access permanent upgrades for your character that you can purchase with a particular currency. And a lot of these are going to be stat boosts and access to particular weapon arts, access to abilities, access to more item use slots, which we'll talk about. And lastly, when you have a soul driver equipped, you're going to have a particular like overdrive ability that's only going to be able to be used when you have that soul driver equipped. And it's going to have a specific trigger in battle when you can use it. Again, I see a lot of similarities with like Final Fantasy VIII Junction System or Grandia 2, the different eggs you can equip and kind of learn with experience, like the different spells on that egg. As you get experience in battle and win battles, you're not only going to up the sync percentage with your soul driver, but you're also going to get a currency that's going to allow you to sort of purchase different abilities or weapon arts or stat boosts 
from your sole driver. And as your percentage goes up, like after like 30%, you're going to see available to purchase those permanent upgrades to your character from that sole driver. It's like every 5% that you sync up, you have access to something else to purchase. So those could be permanent upgrades to your stats, whether it's health, whether it's attack or defense or anything like that, to purchase abilities that your character can use or purchase weapon arts that your character can use. Now abilities are interesting because these are going to stay with your character after you purchase them and these are going to be essentially equipable to your character similar to jack move where you have the different chips each of these abilities is going to take up a particular number of spaces so you're going to have to mix and match like which ones you want to use you're going to get these abilities from your soul drivers and like i said your soul driver will have an overdrive ability but that doesn't count unless you have that soul driver equipped but the other abilities you're going to be able to equip long after you swap soul drivers onto another one Weapon arts are interesting. This is also going to be learned, like I said, from your soul driver using that currency. But these are going to be moves that are the combination of different cards or soul bits in your deck while you're playing. Now, these are pretty much going to be two card combinations. What's interesting is that these, like I said, you can buy them from the soul driver once you get the currency and you have your sync percentage up high enough. But you can also buy these as items and teach them almost like TMs, like in Pokemon, to your different characters. And then you're going to have items that you can use uh, just about any time. You can buy these from different shops, from vending machines, you can find them when you win battles. Um, these are going to be like health recovery, SP recovery, maybe revive, or maybe some buffs. There are some items that are like in battle only, and they'll say that. And let's get into talking about battle. So this is turn-based, and what you're going to do on your turn is you're going to pick actions for all of your characters and then once you do you submit it and then the turn plays out based on who has the higher speed what's interesting is there are chain combos the battle mechanics move very fast and the characters slide in and do their attack but i think if two of yours go back to back you get like a little bit of a damage bonus which is interesting because i don't know if you can predict like who's gonna line up in terms of speed compared to the enemies your first turn is going to be interesting because you're going to be dealt your hand which i think is six cards or soul bits and these cards are going to kind of be displayed in a half circle and you're going to see an action meter inside the circle and that tells you how many cards you can play like how many of the action bar is blinking and on your first turn it's only going to be one so that means you can only play one card on your first turn and you're only going to get more action points on your subsequent turns if you hit an enemy with something that they're weak to now this is right out of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne or Persona not necessarily that it's limiting you you until you do it but just that it happens that way so i think at first this is going to be trial and error with a lot of enemies but then after you attack certain enemies or i think maybe find a weakness you're going to see indicators on some of your cards when you're highlighting over a particular enemy whether they're weak to it it's just like an up arrow so if you see an up arrow that means you're going to get another action point on the next turn so if it works out that all your characters use a, an attack that has an enemy weakness, then on the following turn, they're going to have two action points. And so this can keep going up. I'm a little confused about the mechanic here, which we'll talk about. But the main reason you want to do this is so that you can use your weapon arts. And pretty much all weapon arts are going to require two specific cards in combination. 
When you learn weapon arts, you'll be able to look at it in the menu what the combinations are, and then you'll be able to build your deck accordingly to maybe try and flood your deck with more cards so you can do that weapon art more and more. Now using a weapon art, I think the main advantage is it does a lot more damage. You can only do one per turn. So if you happen to wind up with four action points on a turn, you'll only be able to do one weapon art. So if the combination of cards you put up could be like two or three different weapon arts, it's gonna ask you to like cycle through and choose one. And then the other cards are just going to do their regular damage. And I think the max in terms of action points that you can have in a turn is five. Like I said, I'm not that sure about how it decreases or resets, but this will happen sometimes. I think it might be when an enemy hits you with something that you're weak against, or if you happen to hit too many times in a row with nothing that is strong against an enemy, but it will reset constantly. Um, so it's kind of this battle of back and forth of building back up if you happen to uh, be back to one action point because, again, then you can't do a weapon art. Abilities are interesting. Some of these I think you'll be able to keep your turn. Some of them you'll be that'll be the action that you do. Some of these are interesting. It might be something like converting some of your cards to a particular elemental card that you can use. It could be healing. It could be, again, using your overdrive. And you can also use items in battle. And we talked about some that are battle only or some that can be used regardless. Using items will keep your turn. You don't lose your turn. But what's interesting about using items is you definitely consume the item. But if you look on the battle menu for your character, there are only a certain number of times in battle that character can use an item. So you have to be mindful of that, and that pulls in some strategy, and there are ways to upgrade and increase that. There are also cards for defending and hasting. I think using these may be a way that you can wind up like decreasing your action points, because if you don't attack with an enemy weakness, that's how the action points decrease. But what's interesting about these cards is that they'll stay active for the following turn, which is good. However, they're going to take up a slot in your hand. So they're going to sit there until you turn them off on a turn. But turning them off also requires an action point. So it's really interesting. At a certain point, you're going to run out of cards. A thing is going to pop up an option that allows you to use a percentage of your hit points to refresh your hand. And this doesn't take a turn. So this is really interesting. This is definitely going to happen frequently. And then you're going to get a soul power. This is something that's sort of passive. You're going to have an animal companion that's going to follow you around. And as you attack, as you do damage to enemies, uh, the meter above this animal is going to fill and then when it's full you can on your turn use whatever that soul power is and you can equip different ones and some of these are going to be like buff your whole team heal your whole team it might even be do damage so this is just sort of another passive thing that's interesting to have that's kind of working in the background in terms of pace and accessibility this is high customization there are a lot of moving parts i also really like that it's minimal hand holding it really kind of throws you in and so it does take time for you to find and use abilities like it took me time to realize that my characters had an overdrive from their soul driver I didn't use that for the longest time what's really good is the menus have a lot of information if you look for it uh, similar to like Elden Ring or from software menus like you can go into explanation and you can like highlight just about anything on the menu cycle through it and then click it and it'll give you information on it even if it's just a little bit, it's really helpful just to get some context. You're going to constantly be going back and forth between the item menu and the equipment menu. Uh, this is a little annoying because if I'm trying to teach my characters a weapon art and I'm not sure if they already own it or not, or if I'm not sure whether the cards in their deck are conducive to the weapon art I want to teach them, I'm going to have to go back 
to their equipment. As you get through this game, like I'm not that far and I've got like five soul drivers and I did make the mistake of trying to swap to a new one before I purchased a lot of the permanent upgrades for my character. Because like I said, when you have one equipped and the sync percentage is going up, there are equipped stat boost from that soul driver that go to your character. So if you don't have it equipped, all of a sudden I took it off and put one on that I had 0% sync with and my HP went down by like 200 because I hadn't purchased a lot of the permanent upgrades and I was relying on the high percentage sync uh, and the stat boost I got just from equipping that soul driver. I'm finding that I'm saving often in this game, but I did die a couple times, not many. There's just so much in this game and there's a lot that I've not discovered in terms of customization. And so I'm really intrigued by it. I'm a big JRPG nerd, battle customization. So uh, I'm excited to keep learning more. talk about the vibe of soul vars just wow this game is so striking in so many ways it's got that persona vibe it meets astral chain and final fantasy definitely more modern final fantasies just a lot at you and it's really really good and let's start with visuals in certain places like in the title screen on the menus there's this anime art definitely reminds me of persona more persona 3 it's got this attitude these characters are in these poses or they're walking or they're sitting just really really cool and when you're in battle and when you're looking at your characters on the screen there are these pixelated sprites in game it's really hard to differentiate between the different characters and when you get to certain safe modes like everybody's just like someone with brown hair in a black suit and you often can't really tell who has what name in terms of the palette it's definitely darker black gray and blue whether it's in the anime art or whether in the environments that you are looking at and there's these flares of yellow which is really cool especially with the blue the environments for the most part are city streets at least for now in the part of the game that i'm playing like you're in this metropolis just a lot of streets a lot of like gray but also signs and lights and different buildings uh, you're definitely going to see a lot of like doors, garage doors. And then in battle, the visuals are really kinetic and really cool because there's fast action. So your characters are like doing their abilities very quickly. They're running in, hitting an enemy and coming back. So you're going to see lights flashing. You're going to see like these tornado whirls with different moves, things that sparkle shine, like if you're healing or doing different elemental damage. In terms of audio, the music is so good. It's so dope. It's high tech, it's fast energy, it's technology, computers. At times it's a bit lonely and somber, but like futuristic lonely. You get senses of longing, of lost. It just bleeds this futuristic anime JRPG vibe. I cannot say enough good things. There's some piano stuff. Um, there's some really hardcore synth stuff. I'm playing some of the best tracks. I would love for there to be a vinyl release of this, but it was tough enough to find these songs, let alone the track names. And in terms of the setting, and the story and possible themes it's a bit interesting you're kind of thrown right into it like right away it was just like hey you're on a map 
go and progress and go into a battle. I don't really know a lot about these characters. What I can deduce is that maybe you work for like an organization and the idea is that there's these monsters coming down whether from the sky or another planet and you just have to kind of eliminate them. It's interesting because everyone's in suits so I kind of get like a Men in Black vibe that where like nothing's quite explained. I'm not sure if you're like a government organization but you seem like your kids um, and it also gives kind of that post or current apocalypse vibe. I, I'm definitely talking a lot of comparisons to Shin Megami Tensei and in the Shin Megami games it's always like Tokyo is like post-apocalyptic and things like that so I definitely see a lot of parallels there but just nothing is really explained so it's just kind of on to the next area in all honesty I don't really notice it that much and I really don't care that much I think it's just because I'm so engrossed with the depth of customization the dialogue in this game isn't really anything special this is probably where the game feels the most budget or just feels a bit off or out of place or one note I don't know if this is a translation or localization issue but sometimes like a dialogue box will prompt up even in the menus and it'll just be worded like a little too simply or a little weird or different it is something that's notable but it definitely doesn't break all of the other strong vibes from this game really just a great showing all around Let's wrap up the conversation about Soul Vars. This is really a dope game. I, I just cannot get enough of it. It certainly scratches that JRPG itch. I'm a big fan of Grandia 2, of Final Fantasy VIII, the junction system. I know that got a lot of hate. I certainly like that more than the story or the characters. So much depth and customization in this game, and really no story no investment in characters, at least that I'm seeing yet, but the depth and combine that with the visuals and the soundtrack, I really just find so much joy playing this game. And you might not like that it doesn't have a story, or you might you know, be somebody who's deterred by JRPGs because their story and characters are so excessive. But I think that no matter what, if you're someone that likes depth and customization, you're really gonna dig this game. I really find it interesting that it's obvious that this is a mobile game in some ways. I definitely looked at some screenshots, the map, for example, and like how that's more conducive to being on a phone and maybe even might play into the story in that way. The easy in and out menus, touching things, fast paced battle. I feel like that could be very conducive to mobile. If you're someone who's an old school gamer into old school JRPGs, not having the extensive story or background and characters might feel a little incomplete to you, but the depth in this game is just undeniable. And I feel like I've seen a lot, but I also feel like I haven't even scratched the surface with all the different weapons and accessories and ways to customize. In terms of value, $17 on console, like $3 on mobile, it's interesting. I don't know the difference in the experience. 
I'm not gonna play this on my phone. I'm not somebody who's into mobile games, but you might wanna check it out. I think on console, somewhere between 10 and 15 is a real sweet spot. I think if it's on sale, if you see it on sale under $10, I think that is awesome. I just find it tough to discount the amount of depth that went into this game, and especially because it's only made by one person. So I might suggest trying the mobile version just to get a taste, uh, and then if you're more comfortable on console, check it out. But either way, this is such an entertaining, bite-sized game with such depth and ode to Japanese role-playing games. So I highly recommend it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you. Mm -hmm.